0: Welcome to the Balance Consciousness Podcast, an assortment of enlightening conversations that inspire balance in your wellness of the mind, body, heart, and spirit. I'm your host, Jessica Taylor, and my intention is that with each episode, we open a channel of communication within our energetic systems, increasing our critical thinking, awareness, authenticity, sovereignty, and empowerment. Thank you so much for joining me today. Let's dig in. souls welcome to the balanced consciousness podcast this is episode 6 thanks for joining and listening or watching if you're watching us on youtube i am here today with tasha blank i'm so excited to talk to an old friend and we'll get there <laughs> <But> let me <laughs> let me introduce tasha she is a celebrated international dj a somatic practitioner a coach Creative mentor, founder of Powerhouse DJ School, PhDJ, and founder of Body Language, a global dance party reviving the soul of nightlife with a uniquely raucous, sexy presence and rich culture of respect. Now, <laughs> I'm already going to say on top of that, because we will talk deeper into this, is that she's also getting much more heavily um into really deep somatic work and helping people through that process as well. So we're going to talk a lot of somatic, uh, somatics today, but Tasha, thank you so much for being
1: here. I'm so stoked. I think that we've been trying to schedule this for like two years, actually.
0: <laughs> we, yeah.
1: You've been talking about it for a long was,
0: time. Yep. It was before I even decided to finally go for it and launch. So Yeah. I love it. You were always meant to be. And to the listeners, we were totally cracking up because I am based in Boulder
1: and Tasha,
0: you're, you're now in Vegas. Is that right?
1: Yeah, I've been I've been stationed in Vegas. I haven't actually been there too much, but that's been my home base this year. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, what we uh discovered once we logged on is that Tasha's currently in Boulder right now, and <laughs> we had no idea. So we're in the same city podcasting virtually, and I absolutely love it. And it's because she has an ecstatic uh, uh few events or maybe just one, which I hope to join soon. Um, so the only other fun tidbit that we just have to share with you guys is that Tasha and I knew each other when we were little bitty teenagers. Um, we were actually summer camp friends. We went to a performing arts camp in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. We were both dancers um and we're gonna talk a lot about how the dance world shifted us as well. I know that we both have a very um, similar story, and are probably going to have some really cool things to talk about. So, dancers, if you're listening, oh, this is going to be a great episode for you. Um, but yeah, so we have not physically spoken to each other, only digitally, <laughs> since we were like 15, 16 years old. So, this is such a treat. Mm-hmm. Such a treat.
1: I'm um, so stoked.
0: So stoked. I'm so stoked too. So, Tasha, I just want to start with, you know, and this is always such a general question, but I want to start with you telling us your story. (laughs) And the reason why is because I love hearing the journey of how you got to your current wellness state and your current wellness passions. Um, so whatever you're comfortable sharing and however you want to do so we'd love to hear
1: Mm. as a big question. Mm -hmm. And it is a long story. It's a long, many, many stories. And I will give the brief synopsis. Um, But I think the, the theme that sums it all up is suffering as a path towards alignment and new discovery. So running up against walls that were the limitations on who I thought I was and the life I thought I was living and what I thought was possible um usually in fairly dramatic painful ways and then being cracked open to much wider possibilities and yeah i was a trained dancer as you know um actually so i, I got to say we didn't just go to any summer camp like that camp was hardcore mm-hmm. it was it was where the juilliard faculty went to train Um, and a lot of the Juilliard students went during the summers and it was, it was like a, a toe dip into the professional dance world. And what I noticed as I got deeper and deeper into the dance world was that I got less and less happy and the joy of it, my enjoyment of the act of dancing just kind of got sucked dry until I wasn't getting anything out of it anymore. And so I shifted my focus is kind of that fork in the road at 17. Do I go to dance school? Do I go into academia? And I chose academia and the path that took me down was I moved to New York and I was studying critical and literary theory and like very, very heady stuff, cultural studies. And I was getting into like taking lots of Adderall and smoking cigarettes and pulling all-nighters, writing theory papers. And my body broke down. And I had a physical and emotional, like, absolute crisis, absolute crisis. I'd never experienced anything like it in my life. Um, it was utterly humbling. And no Western doctor could explain what was happening to me. And many of them told me that we were never going to figure out what was going on. It was impossible to figure out what was going on. And all I could do was take medications to manage my symptoms. And I was like, uh, I know what's going on. <laughs> like, uh, and it wasn't, you know, it was on the, I knew what was going on spiritually, energetically and emotionally. And I got that that was causing all these physical symptoms. And I got that there was a lot happening in the physical world, manifesting in the physical world that I hadn't been aware of that was like coming from other places. And I was like, oh, wow, the whole way I'm doing life isn't working. There's a whole other thing happening that I can't see that's influencing what I can see. And that sent me down a path of, you know, getting my Reiki mastery, my junior year of college and studying nutrition and um, getting into psychedelics. And that year, it it was 2006 that I had this sort of very rock bottom moment. And then it was 2007, summer of 2007, I landed at Burning Man and discovered electronic music and dancing, I'll say from the inside out as opposed to from the outside in, which is what I had been doing when I was doing somebody else's choreography and trying to get my lines right and trying to make my body a specific shape. Um, I actually discovered a way of moving that felt like it came from my being and touched into parts of myself that I hadn't felt since I was a kid. And yes, I was on drugs. <laughs> and there were there was a moment. Um, I've told this story on a bunch of podcasts actually, because it's such, it's such a it's such a moment in my life. It was one of those forks in the road again. I was having this absolutely peak moment. I was tripping on mushrooms. I was dancing. It was probably two in the morning in the desert, amazing music. And I felt like I had absolute control over my body and absolute freedom at the same time. So I was doing moves I'd never done before and totally confident inside of them. And in a moment where I was like, this is the most amazing thing I've ever felt. Am I just on drugs? You know, like, Maybe I'm just on drugs and that's what this, that feels like. Mm -hmm. And then I looked around me and I noticed that there was a crowd of people watching me. And I was like, okay, this is real. This is actually happening. I've tapped into something that's real here. I want to figure out how to access this whenever I want Mm
0: -hmm.
1: without having to take anything. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Now that took a few more years. And there's a, a lot of stories in there, a lot of lessons, but that became kind of my North star of, I wanna figure out how to get to this place whenever I want. And that eventually led me to Five Rhythms, which is an amazing dance practice created by Gabrielle Roth. She's kind of like the mama of ecstatic dance, conscious dance in the West. You know, this is a practice that's been with humanity for our whole time. Um, but she really she really brought it to the West for this time. And out of her work, I think we've seen things sprout like, like ecstatic dance, like soul motion, like open floor, like, like the 360 emergence. There's all these different dance practices now that where people go to the dance floor, not to look a certain way, but to come home, to process emotion, to unravel trauma, to um, engage with themselves in a deeper way. And I would say, yeah, that's, that's the origin. And there's like so many other stories I could tell you that have happened in the last 15, 16 years since then. I'll start there.
0: I love it. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Like just as I'm hearing you talk, I'm just like. So glad we're having this conversation because we just we had such a similar story and yet we both chose different routes in the dance world, right? So you, you chose to go academic. I chose to go dance conservatory. I chose to go professional career, performance, choreography, starting a nonprofit dance company in New York City, which by the way, we both lived in and never saw each other. Anyone who lives in New York City can probably say, Yes, I knew a lot of people who lived there and never saw them in all the years I lived there. There's something kind of weird about New York like that, (laughs) but I went through that whole process and yet I can say almost exactly what you said in terms of dance. I love specifically what you said about when you're performing someone else's choreography, you were not feeling it from the inside out, right? You were trying to embody their vision. And that really, like, I felt that in my body when you said that, because as a choreographer, I mean, my favorite thing about dance was creating movement and then helping dancers to feel it in their specific way. And what a challenge in the concert dance world to do that, because... I have a vision of what the movement should look like, but I also want the dancer to embody a specific feeling and to experience it more than perform it. And then I'm asking them to perform it on a stage, you know, for a gala for donors so that we can all get paid, hopefully, (laughs) right? So it's just, I know that you can relate in me saying that, so many of us who got into concert or commercial dance, just professional dance in general, in terms of the performance aspect, we probably originally got into dance because wow, it felt so great. It was a form of expression, right? It was a way in which we could communicate without words or when we couldn't find those words, at least that's my story. But then when we start to make it a a professional pursuit, it just, it just completely changed our awareness of our body. You know, you would think that we were, we knew every little nook and cranny, maybe on a physical level to some degree, but when you're starting to get cellular and trauma and energy and, you know, all of that, holy suppression, Batman, like Mm -hmm. we, you know, and especially if you're, you know, I don't want to speak black and white, but if you're basically from our generation or older, we can all probably say we had at least one abusive dance mm-hmm. instructor mm-hmm. who degraded us because that's how they were taught. It was a mm-hmm. learned, you know, um, legacy. And you know, one thing that you said in your uh, website about how the dance world affected you was that I the words you used were perfectionism and shame. I think there was something else, but for perfectionism and shame really just set in. And it was like, the more you were pursuing that field, the more opening to suffering, um, Mm. you know, the the more that that suffering would come in. Um, And it's just really interesting to me. You know, I, I just, I relate, I relate so much. And, you know, now with me, fast forward, I don't have a dance company anymore. And that was the image that everyone saw me as. You know, I come back to, well, movement's just healing and it's so fascinating because as something that was my life for such a long time, I I don't miss pursuing it in that way in any capacity. There hasn't been one day. So I just, and I love just following what you're, what you're doing because you have embraced movement in this way that I want to continue to do so. So I'm Mm. learning from you
1: from afar. Mm, I love that. Yeah. And, you know, I wouldn't pin it all on dance because there's certainly professional dancers who don't have eating disorders. Um, There was a lot going on for me in my constellation. And like, I think the eating disorder would have happened regardless. Mm -hmm. But you put that eating disorder in a studio with fluorescent lights and 360 degree mirrors and tights, like that shit is hard. Yeah. All you're doing is examining yourself and being examined by your mm-hmm. fellow dancers. And, you know, the more serious you get, it's like gets more and more competitive, right? Because we're kind of like, oh shit, this is actually gonna be how I wanna make my living. I need right. to be the best. Um. So, yeah, and it is really interesting what you brought up around the body awareness piece because there is a huge amount of body awareness that professional dancers, classically trained dancers do have. And it's more, I remember it being in the realm of like, oh, my right psoas is shorter than my left. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, um, this extension like, doesn't, you know, it's really treating the body as this 3D instrument. Mm-hmm. And like, what can it do? hmm As opposed to the incredibly complex universe of emotion and stored memory and, um, you know, the animal part of us.
0: Yeah, you you know, it's interesting because even before you get to the emotional, the energetic, the spiritual aspect of our connection to our bodies. I mean, hearing you talk about dancers, right? Yeah, I have this imbalance or my right <laughs> leg extends better. I can, you know, I can do a triple on the left, but a double on the right, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, I can also speak still just of the physical level as someone who also certifies Pilates instructors. I always get at least one dancer in my class and I love it because I always say they end up being the best cheaters. And they're unintentional cheaters. And here's why it's because we think we have a lot of body awareness. And we do. But our awareness is how to make things look a little bit more. And we also are recruiting a lot more of those bigger gross motor muscles. And then when I tell them to let go of those and to find those tiny stabilizers, it's like, holy crap. And we have this huge thing of like, I'm learning about my body for the first time. And and they're working their body every day. So my point is, is that it's never ending with just our bodies, with just our meat suits, we can continue Mm -hmm. to just dig into like another layer and another layer and another layer of how we can stabilize ourselves more, how we can feel less pain. And, and that's just on the physical level. Mm-hmm. And then we dig into what you're talking about, where are our stored traumas, you know, where are we holding emotions? Like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and this takes me into my massage therapy background. And also as a Reiki master, my energetic background of, you know, when you have a client on the table and we're doing some sort of release and all of a sudden we're in tears on the table or we're having a giggle fit and we have no idea why and can we hold the space for that and not have to analyze it necessarily and just allow it to move through us and honor it and understand that our body is holding emotions from not only this life but many many before you Mm -hmm. know so yeah Mm. the body Mm.
1: Yeah. It's never ending. I hurt my neck really bad actually a couple of months ago. It's the first time I've had that kind of injury where when it was really bad, I actually almost couldn't move
0: mm.
1: miraculously. It was like not a serious spinal issue. Like I'm okay, but it, I mean, I've had a whole journey with dance since pandemic because my life pre pandemic was five days a week in New York City. Either I was facilitating or dancing on a sweaty packed dance floor. And that's how I lived for 10 years. Like that was my coping mechanism for being alive. Mm -hmm. And when that ended very abruptly, not only was it like the most painful loss I'd ever experienced Mm -hmm. more than divorce, more than like losing, you know, a grandparent, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was, I was amazed by how painful it was. Like I was amazed by what that was in my system and had this very interesting journey the last few years with navigating my body and how my body wants to move energy without having those big dance floors. It's gotten me into a lot of different modalities and a lot of different paths to exploration but it has been, I have, I felt like I hadn't quite found my groove in like my dance again. Like, what is my dance now? Mm-hmm. And this injury was so visceral. It forced me to slow down and make the choice to value my body signals above everything. Well, it actually didn't give me the choice, which is probably why that happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I was forced to prioritize and value my body signals before everything. And it made me realize that that big dance that I used to be after on all those big ecstatic dance floors where I was, I would just be the wildest. I love to be the wildest one in the room. <laughs> and there is something about these subtler explorations I've been doing the last few years where I like wasn't getting that. And so I was kind of like, well, this doesn't really count or this isn't as satisfying as what I used to do or something. And working with this injury and slowing down, I was, it made me realize how much I'd been devaluing the act of listening to this miraculous vid- vehicle that I live in above any ego agenda above any sense of trying to prove myself above any intense catharsis Mm -hmm. because like there's even that like in a sense it 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 is listening to my body because there's emotions in here that I want to move and so I'm going to listen to my body by like getting it all out really big but what if I let it be simple like what if I let this body exactly as it is in all of its limitations and all of its needs for slowness right now. What if I let that be the most interesting thing to me right now? Hmm. And it just opened up. The, I, I was like, holy shit. In it was almost like that moment of dancing at Burning Man when I was 21, where I was like, wait, I wasn't even dancing before. This is dancing. This was like, wait, I wasn't even listening before. Mm. This is a whole new level of listening. Mm.
0: Yeah. And I love this. I mean, for those of you listening who have no connection with dance, you know, it it still applies, right? It's it's our connection to our body. And I know that, you know, on a, on a very, you know, just general level, a lot of us have suffered from some sort of body loathing or, you know, um, lacking of love in our vessel somehow, whether it's um, conscious or not. And I just love that it always comes down to the message of, am I listening or can I listen more? And, you know, when you said like, can this be the most interesting thing to me, it brings in my meditation mind of like bringing that childlike curiosity and that wonderment and that, you know, like lightness of, Ooh, Oh, what's that? Oh, that's kind of interesting, you know? Oh. And can we just be open to all the messages that, you know, movement and just our bodies in general can bring up. Um, so this is, this is beautiful. And I know we'll continue to deepen into this. I want to talk about, body language first, if that's cool with you, Um, Mm -hmm. because this is your, basically like your continuation of the get down party. Is that right? And we can kind of explain to people what,
1: what I'm talking about. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. So I started the get down 10 years ago in New York and I just wanted to throw the most badass dance party there ever was where people come to just get down. And get down harder than you know any any other place. And at a decent hour, generally it's <laughs> six thirty to ten on a Thursday. Nice, uh, where there's no drinks on the dance floor, there's no phones, and it's it's about coming back to the music and coming back to the movement and to community. And it all it also ties into so I launched Powerhouse DJ School. A year and a half ago, we're on our second cohort now, and I'm training all these people to kind of do what I've learned to do. Mm-hmm. I'm giving them, all, I'm giving them everything I've got, <laughs> like all the tools. Um, and we realized, oh wow, there's a massive opportunity for us to expand the get down and what we do now that we're building this sort of army of DJs who aren't just badass DJs and artists, but also are trauma-informed or nervous system-educated, know how to conduct a ritual, like feel empowered in their leadership. And the thing about the get-down is that it's a musical term that was coined by Grandmaster Flash in the 80s, the birth of hip-hop. And there's like a lot of things out there called the get-down. There's multiple get-down parties, there's clubs, there's a TV show. I was like, oh, we can't really we can't really do that. We can't really grow this with this name. And also it's not really ours. Like it's not, this is not my, this is not my term. Mm-hmm. And it's a term that I came up with before I even started the party as a term that I kind of dropped into my mind. I was like, I-, I like the way that sounds that works. Let's do that. And then this whole movement was born. It's, it's really a phenomenon what happens on our mm-hmm. dance floor. And so I started asking the question, what, what's a name that actually represents who we are now, who we've become, what, where we're going, you know, what we're really interested in. And that's when body language came through because it's really about exactly that. And so we rebranded about a year ago and it, it's so interesting to go through that process of rebranding an institution that's been around for nine years, Mm. but our community is so awesome. We've, been really supported and now I can really feel the possibility for it going a lot of places and going a lot of places with a name that stands for what we're creating
0: Mm. this is so cool and what I've followed in these now 10 years and what I've seen on your website to confirm is that you start a lot of these uh parties these get downs, whatever, these jams, these badass, you know, boogies <laughs> with a really large group of people becoming silent together. Is that mm-hmm. right? Is that always a part of your ritual?
1: Yes. So that's actually happens in the middle. We have, we open with a little dance class, mm-hmm. something that's all levels, super fun, super accessible. And then we'll have a guest DJ come in and do an hour and then after that guest dj finishes we have a moment of silence or a several minutes of silence and whether it's me or now another person because in new york we're they're going whether i'm there or not which is so cool we've got some powerhouse dj school graduates who represent and we have this moment to you know if you want to go to a regular party you can go to a regular party everybody's already doing that but this is an opportunity to actually call in and call up why we're here. Because it's very easy when you go into a club to snap into a mode of like looking around, who's here? Am I cool enough? Who am I with? Mm -hmm. And, you know, even pull out your phone accidentally even though there's no phones. And so doing something as dramatic as asking every single person in the room to get quiet and close their eyes and talk about our heartbeats You know, talk about the brilliance of our body intelligence and what it connects us to. And it's just this beautiful way of getting us all on the same page. Mm. And for me, very selfishly, as as like a DJ, as a space holder, that's where I like to start from. You know, that's where I like to push play from is we're all on a ride together. Mm -hmm. We're in the spaceship together. We're going to go somewhere new. Mm-hmm. and we're down for the adventure
0: yeah i i love it because i mean really what i've always felt from you know watching your work is that it's it's about community and feeling a safe container of trust which is then a place for you to have your own individual healing and I just cannot emphasize enough how much community, even if that community is a party of two, has greatly shifted, you know, my spiritual well-being and just understanding that even if you don't know the person next to you, it sounds like that ritual just is so powerful where everyone can really come together. And and like you said, we're on the same page, you know, Mm -hmm. and now it's like, okay, I see you as you start to move, that must be such a magical time as then when they start to move together Mm -hmm. after that moment of silence.
1: Yeah. And there's several layers of kind of induction we have, you know, it's, it's, if we had a bunch of strangers in a room with no prep and I asked them to all be quiet, I probably wouldn't have a lot of luck <laughs> getting everybody to participate. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of intention around the whole gathering. You know, there's the the ticket page itself really outlines what we're here to do. There's when people are welcomed in, they are given a spiel. We've got g- greeters. We've got a lot of layers of like space creation mm-hmm. because it takes... You know, the nervous system has to feel safe to let go. Yeah. If there's a sense of threat or a sense of I have to be on guard, like there's not going to be surrender. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we definitely do a lot to create the conditions for that to actually land in that moment. For for a moment of silence to be a, a welcome thing. Yeah. Instead of like, what the fuck? This is strange. <laughs> what's going
0: on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's making, it's making my nervous system even more jittery. Yeah. What I love about this and it just makes me more and more be like, oh gosh, like I need to get to one of these is, you know, personally for me, I've gone through a process of, you know, almost defending the fact that when I dance, it's not because I want attention. I don't know if you can relate to this but just in a social way and learning about dance being either performative or restorative for me. And what's been interesting is that I was kind of almost programmed conditioned to be performative out, 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 out. That when I do go inward and start to use movement to restore myself or just to get something out or to access, you know, it can still be seen as like, "Oh, look at her. She wants attention. and i I think that might be a stigma coming from the dance world, and that I've, you know, spoken with other professional dancers. Um, that it's the same thing it's like it's hard for people who do who have done that as a job or it's been such a huge part of them to go to something like this and just be and they're dancers <laughs> you know so I don't know I just that started to come out and I don't know if that makes sense or if that landed but this yeah this idea of like again our relationship with dance of course mm-hmm. we can perform right but To me, that feels so outward now, and it doesn't feel healing in any way. And it's not that I don't mind if people watch me, but I'm dancing more for me. I'm not worried as much about what that person who might be looking at me is thinking of that move. You know, it's the critique and that perfectionism that we got. But I feel like that can also land with you know, any other person who doesn't have the background in dance that you and I have, who arrives at this. I mean, I'm interested, do you have like, you know, testimonials or like anything, you know, that people have shared after experiencing it, possibly if they were a dancer or if they were not like what, what their experiences were like.
1: Hmm. We have a lot of testimonials. Yeah. What's really cool is I have a I've been working with a new percussionist in the last year and he's come in, you know, a lot of the artists I've worked with over a long period of time who kind of more came up with the community, but he's come in more in it being established. And he was sharing the other day as he gets to know more people and talks to more people at the party. And, you know, they get to know him like, Oh, cool. You're like the new percussionist. He's like, everybody tells me this party saved their life. And uh, that was just that, yeah. So I cried when he said that. Um, <laughs> I think, I think that freeform dance, when the intention is to show up and express and listen and tell the truth, is very exposing for everyone. So with the professional dancers, it's going to bring up a whole set of things, and with anyone else it's going to bring up a whole set of things um for so many people moving their bodies freely is like the most terrifying thing in the world Mm. because everybody's been well most people in this culture have been brought up with a lot of judgment and restriction around how we move and so for most people it's some kind of learning curve, it's some kind of practice, you know, it. there is an uncoupling that happens, there's a rewiring that happens and there's healing and breakthrough that can happen. Mm. Yeah,
0: it's so cool. I, I just love it. And again, just having that safe container because I'm sure even with that safe container, everyone's gonna show up where they are in that moment and it can still be, you know, scary. For a lot of people i'm curious do you know roughly like what's the largest group that you've had at one of these where you've been able to get them silent and then moving
1: mm, the biggest club we've been at i'd say our biggest events have been like five or six hundred people that is so
0: powerful yeah that is so powerful that's very
1: yeah. very cool and it was harder at first, you know, when I first introduced the idea. Uh, but there's enough people who are re- repeats that, like, they see me get on the mic after that first set, and they're like, they know what's up. Yeah. <laughs> and they help the people who don't. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: that's cool. Well, and that yeah. right there, that's community, right? Mm-hmm. There's there's no hierarchy, right? There's just, I see you, you see me. And that's just so, that's so beautiful. I just love this this mission and this concept. Um <clears throat> Let's keep digging into somatics and like somatic education that you're offering. I saw on your website also, I don't know if this is the direction you want to go in this conversation, but something called electric body movement library. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I saw that that's something that you already offer that seems to be kind of like a collective of, you know, videos, classes, you know, things to mm-hmm. help get people to move.
1: Um on their own time. Yeah, that's, that's came out of the pen, <clears throat> the pandemic. Mm. And a few things It really, you know, like I said, my, my life as it was totally ended and I had to find new ways of growing and offering. And so I started creating more recordings. I did a lot of virtual teaching mm-hmm. and you know, I had been studying conscious dance. My mom is a Feldenkrais trainer. Like I grew up on in trainings with groups of adults, like rolling around on the floor and feeling their scapula and like rewiring their neural pathways through movement. So this has been in my life for my whole life is like more deeper movement education. Mm -hmm. And Actually, the last thing I did before the pandemic hit, it was March, it was like March 6th, 2020. I went up to Garrison Institute, um, upstate New York, and I was on the faculty for something called One Dance Tribe. And it was this whole crew of conscious dancers. So it was people who I had been in awe of, who were much less in the DJ world, much more in the movement, somatic facilitation world. And it was a really cool moment for me, because I felt like I'd been so informed by that world, but also what I had built was so much about the DJing and the club setting. Mm-hmm. And so to come out of that straight into facilitating online during the pandemic, you know, the lights were gone, the big sound systems were gone. Like the whole look and DJ persona was gone. It was just me and my voice and music, and people in their living rooms trying to regulate.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it was, you know, I can't tell you how much resistance I had mm-hmm. to facilitating on a computer, but it really forced me to deepen my leadership and my facilitation skills. And so in the electric body movement library is kind of everything that i did during that time it's guided somatic meditations there's a couple like lectures and introductions workshops on like why do we dance what's it all about what's like the issues in our tissues like
0: mm-hmm. what
1: does this have the potential to open to us there's sh- much shorter guided practices in there 5 6 minutes there's um 20 minute ones and then there are more like 60 to 90 minute practices that are from I did two offerings one was called the circle and one was called the portal and folks would join live in those and so I have tons of recordings in there from that and what's cool is that that whole time actually that was the birth of powerhouse dj school because it was during that time that I was doing all these offerings and I actually spoke with Melissa Michaels who is a badass movement teacher like has been doing it for decades and I was telling her about what I was doing she's like are you taking notes on your teaching I was like no but I can and so I started dancing to all the replays and it was doing that that I got sort of a moment of lightning download of what I do this thing that I thought I was doing very organically over those all those years like oh I'm just feeling the crowd and like doing what feels natural. No, actually I do the exact same thing. Every time Mm. I follow a very specific map and I realized what that map was. And I realized that I could teach it. Mm. And I also realized like how many skills would need to be brought into the context of that teaching. So, um, that was, you know, if, if, if that hadn't happened, we wouldn't have PhDJ, which is currently my favorite thing. So I'm super glad, super glad, super grateful.
0: And I love this because that was going to be my next segue. But I do want to speak to lockdown, and that it obviously made us reassess a lot of things. It obviously challenged us to do our jobs in different ways. You know, for me, I'm so used to touching my clients hands on <laughs> and using that even just as a mechanism to save my voice or, you know, things like Mm -hmm. that. We were, we were challenged to use the tools that we didn't necessarily know that we had, or we kind of shied away from. But I, I remember in lockdown seeing you still bravely, courageously holding these parties virtually, and you had hundreds of people tuning in and it was just, one of the most gorgeous things I've ever seen because it was so needed. It was so needed when we were feeling isolated and in fear and not knowing all the info and being forced to be with ourselves more, being forced to be with whoever we lived with more, (laughs) you know, all of these things where we felt like we were trapped and you were able to facilitate such an amazing release catalyst for so many. Um, and even if it was me just, you know, viewing these posts that you, you know, shared every now and then and just seeing all the tiny little zoom squares of uh, people moving, it was, it was a beautiful thing to see. And I am, I'm sure I'm not wrong in saying that you helped a lot of people through lockdown and through this pandemic, because Mm. holy moly, we didn't know what was going on. When I think of myself in March, 2020, compared to now, I'm like, and I know this sounds crazy. And I know that a lot of people might also agree with me. If I didn't have all that, I wouldn't be the person I am today. Like you said, if you didn't have to go through all that, you wouldn't have powerhouse DJ school. You wouldn't have that lightning bolt download where, you know, it caused you to go a different route. You know, for me, it really caused me to come back to being a student again. And that's when I became a meditation practitioner and started to study breath work really seriously and decided I want to be a life coach. I want to help to embody all my work into one container and help people one-on-one and dig you know Mm -hmm. and I don't know if I would have gotten the push you know yeah if I if I wasn't isolated in that way so albeit to say is that I know that you were giving medicine in that time that we really needed and what was really cool about it is the people I know who have given something that we needed so much during lockdown we needed it too It, it comes back to that community right like we just had to think on our toes. You know, I had a freaking fitness studio, right? I had to bring everything virtual, you know, all of my clients who never wanted to do Pilates mat, you know, they were forced to do Pilates mat. They couldn't be on the equipment. And what was amazing was I had the largest classes I had ever had. I retained like 80% of my clients that entire time, you know? I started to notice that my clients were actually getting stronger because they were craving classes. They started to do more. And then once we were back in person, I kept virtual classes going. People were attending some from home, coming in person. We ended up gaining new family members all around the country. Like it was, it was a really beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. So, the, those catalysts, you know are always amazing lessons, you know, when we think that something, you know, awful is happening in the moment. And that's not to minimize any pain, obviously, that anyone went through in that time because we all did. But let's talk about powerhouse DJ school. So the, so you're saying you basically discovered this template um, to help others to learn how to facilitate what you're doing. So yeah, Talk, talk about that. Where, what phase is it in right now? How many grads do you have? How often do you hold your trainings?
1: Yeah, so far it's once a year and we're in our second cohort. So we've graduated one class so far. And what's really cool about how it's building is we were able to bring on three of our graduates from the first cohort as coaches mm. for the second cohort. So we're in, like, Incrementally increasing the support that's available. Um, and actually, another one of our graduates became our online business manager. So it's it's really cool to see the team keep growing from itself. Like it keeps evolving with people, people really, it's a deep initiation, the program, and people have a really powerful time. With it, and they want to get involved and they want to do more. And so that's, it's just so exciting. It's so cool to watch it really work because, like, do people learn to become really badass DJs and deep artists? Absolutely. But they, they go through a major process within themselves that helps them become the kind of person who can actually hold that kind of space that can stand in front of a crowd of 500 people and say, I've got you, you're safe to actually let go, to actually feel all the things you've been avoiding this Mm -hmm. month, this year, whatever, like, it's a lot that goes into that. And um, so it's, it's intense. It's a rigorous program and it's so satisfying because I get to bring like literally everything I've ever learned Mm. and, and pass it on. And also everyone then has their own flavor. So like our coaching team, they each have their own incredible backgrounds and they've each metabolized the information in their own way. And so they have things to bring that I actually can't. So it's, it's continuing to ripen and get enriched. Mm. Yeah. So
0: are there any prerequisites? Are there any requirements for people who are drawn to this? Do they already need to have DJing background? Do they need to have any sort of somatic background or anything like that?
1: I talk to every serious applicant Mm -hmm. for at least a half hour, if not an hour. So it's a very like curated group. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, no, not particularly. We have a lot of folks who come in who've never DJed, but they, ha- I mean, the, fir- the, the real prerequisite is that people feel a deep call mm-hmm. to do this work. Mm-hmm. Their lives have been changed on the dance floor. They've experienced the power of what music and dance can do and they want to serve that medicine. Like they get it. hmm even if they don't have a background. Um, Cause we do offer like it, the course is built for people to be able to come in, like having just purchased their first controller. Mm. And so we look for alignment and awareness and the desire to serve.
0: Mm-hmm. Beautiful. The yeah. desire to serve, especially it just, anytime I hear that, I'm like, all right, cool. I'm listening. <laughs> are we serving the self or others? That mm-hmm. is always my question. So this is, this is amazing. So you're currently in your second, when are you going to uh, start your next one?
1: January, 2024. Okay. It's an eight month program. So we'll have, we finished this one in August mm-hmm. and we already have several folks enrolled for 2024. We just, we were getting applications. So I just decided to open enrollment and we got a whole bunch of people that jumped in. So um, we're like, okay, this is super happening.
0: (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. So awesome. And do, do you cap it at a specific number?
1: Yeah, we've had 30, the last two cohorts. Now with the coaching team, we've now experienced that it really works. Like the leadership in this organization, it's its so much bigger than me, what's mm-hmm. happening. And so we will have room for more in the next one, but we're still going to keep it intimate. It is, in addition to being a training, it's really a collective. It's like a collective of artists who are coming into their artistry together and coming into their community building together. And so we still want it to be the kind of size where everyone knows and feels each other and gets to know each other and yeah. um, can be a support to one another
0: nice this is so cool hearing that so many people are hearing this call and Mm -hmm. are answering it right now and you know again as a former professional dancer it's really cool to hear people you know understanding the healing of music and dance being paired together and how like you said we can be of service to others to facilitate that container so I'm so excited for you for this new, newer development and to see how much it grows. And, you know, mm-hmm. who knows maybe five years from now, you're offering three trainings at the same time.
1: <laughs> Bring I'm it super. Yeah. I'm super curious to see where it's going to go. Cause we also really care about supporting our grads and seeing them flourish. And I feel like there's going to be a lot starting to come from mm-hmm. them more and more. And mm-hmm. in terms of what they create and what they launch and, yeah, so I'm in a lot of curiosity about what's coming.
0: That's so cool. I'm always going to keep my eyes on you and you know so I can stay posted because it's yeah, it's amazing how your journey has has you know spanned now and and again I can relate from the you know working with clients to then wanting to train soon to be facilitators or teachers or healers or it's it's a really powerful thing. And I'm sure that you can relate in, you know, how I feel when, you know, a certification or a Reiki training is complete. And I think, wow, like the work that I facilitated here actually is reaching so many more that I'm never going to meet. Mm -hmm. And that right there is just like, oh, it just Mm -hmm. makes my heart explode. Um, that, that is how I can reach, the most people, you know, I don't have to be personally connected one-on-one to feel that. Yeah. Um, so I know, I know that you can relate to that as well. Um, I'm interested I want to switch it into a little bit of a personal question. Now I want to know what are you doing right now? What are you starting to tap into personally for your own wellness, whether it be physical, mental, spiritual, emotional. Is there anything that you're currently sitting in or
1: exploring or striving for? Oh, yeah. I've had a big shift really in the last month. Um, It's called rest. (laughs) And I'm learning all about it. (laughs) My life, I can't even... It's ridiculous. Like the number, I think last year I slept in like 50 different beds. Wow. Like the, the level of travel of nonstopness, I think for the first quarter this year, I had about three days off and that was including having this horrible neck injury. Like I worked through that whole thing. I traveled through that whole thing. And there, I think there's a few (laughs) reasons for that. There's a part of me that just, you know, I, I, In digging into like, what is this in me that can't stop? Mm -hmm. I have this memory of when I was five and I was on the swim team and I lived in the same neighborhood as our swim club. It was like down the street. And there was a day where I was, I think I had the flu. I had a fever Mm -hmm. and my mom was like, okay, you can't go to swim practice. You have to rest. And I was so mad. I literally went, put on my bathing suit, got my stuff and started walking to swim class. Five years old. My mom had to come chase me down the street and take me back home. (laughs) So, so there's like a part of me that's kind of just, I just want to eat life. Like, I just want to do it all. I just want to say yes to everything. Mm -hmm. And then there's a piece of, you know, being an entrepreneur and being, the one who generates all of my work and with a big vision and having been in New York for so many years, having been surrounded by a lot of workaholism and this hustle culture. And there was a big part of me that was afraid to slow down. Mm-hmm. And the message just kept coming clearer and clearer in the last couple of months. And so there was a little bit of a transition phase, And then once I landed in Boulder two weeks ago, it was kind of like, you know, I'm still showing up fully for Powerhouse DJ School, for Body Language New York, the team on the ground there, um, for my clients. And I just started saying no to a lot of things. And the last two weekends, I didn't have any plans, (laughs) which is... I don't remember the last time that happened. It was so for me, cause I do, you know, I do meditation, I do dancing, I do yoga, I do breath work. I do all these things that are like good for my health and wellness. And the body needs us to not be doing all the time. And there's so much that just, there's so much that's happened that my brain literally just needs space
0: mm-hmm.
1: to digest. Yes. And just be like, what the fuck was all that? (laughs) Um, And it's been really great right on time. I can't imagine having not switched gears and I don't think I'll ever do what I was doing before Mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's part of also just trusting, trusting the body, like trusting when we give ourselves the space we need that it's not going to interfere, it's going to help.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Not going to take away, it's going to add. Yes. Hmm.
0: I, I love this because, I mean, this topic has probably come up in some capacity in every episode, you know, finding our permission to slow down. And, you know, what I hear when you're speaking about this is the word nourishment and that's just what was screaming intuitively in my head as i'm listening to you and and i love that you're talking about like it's not that things are being taken right when we do things like meditation and breath work and you know move our bodies and things like that you know yes they're so um regenerative and they can be very restorative but they can also release a lot as well and even just in that we need time to integrate and to you know just like after a psychedelic ceremony you know we need time to just be and not do and especially in America that's really really challenging you know even Mm -hmm. if you are setting such strong intentions to do so and I always find it such an amazing um Amazing situation that we are in when we are an entrepreneur where we do have the freedom to create our schedule and then we
1: create a massive schedule. (laughs) Yeah, 14 hours a day. Exactly. Scheduled. Exactly. So seven days a
0: week. (laughs) Exactly. So it's it's almost like this idea of like, well, when you're given the power, what are you going to do with it? You know, like when you're given that power to manage your time, to manage your schedule what are you going to do with it so so just this word nourishment came to mind and it's you know i tell clients all the time like you know we talk about the difference between self love and self care right self care to me are tiny little acts that can make us feel good and they're necessary but we aren't necessarily loving ourselves when we do it going to get a massage you know is not necessarily loving ourselves on a deep deep, vulnerable level where we truly see ourself and accept it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was about to go in six different directions when I said that. So it's like, what was I saying? <laughs> nourishment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the act of nourishment to me is what will then recharge me and fill me back up so that I can like we mentioned before, be of service mm-hmm. in a more powerful way. Right. And I know every entrepreneur, especially if they're solo, if they're listening to this, they have probably been through this story up and down again and again and again. You know, I, I'm going to complain about being too busy because I'm too busy. And then when I'm not busy enough, I'm complaining because I need the busyness and the income and the productivity and the validation and all of those things. So finding that middle in that Mm -hmm. nourishment is so amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, I myself have been really exploring what nourishment means to me. You know, I do do very similar practices as you. I move my body. I do breath work. I meditate. I, you know, tap in spiritually. I, you know, get in touch with nature. I, you know, what I find is that if I stick with the exact same routine every day, now ritual is crucial to me. But if I stick with the exact same routine every day, even that starts to become I need to do it. I need to do mm-hmm. it. It's a task. It's a task. I don't know. Do you relate? It, sometimes it's about going back to what we started this episode on. Are we listening? Mm-hmm. What does my body need right now? Should I be doing breath work just because I should be doing breath work? Is my body wanting breath work right now? You know, does it want to move in this way? Maybe it actually just wants to rest right now maybe it wants to sit, maybe the best thing for my body right now is to sit on the couch and watch a show, you know, cause like how often does that happen? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, when you say an open weekend, I, I totally relate. I'm, I'm now currently in a space where I'm like a free weekend. And this is when I feel like I really see myself when I have the free time, I start to see What is my relationship with that free time? Am I going into that deep-seated perfectionism that I learned from childhood? Am I going into that, oh, I need to be doing something to feel like I'm being productive or accomplishing something or that establishes my worth? You know, for you, your manifestation of the trauma you experienced as a child was an eating disorder. For me, I can absolutely say it was workaholism. Absolutely, do more, do more, and therefore I will be more well. In my years in New York, how many times did I have to get sick to listen?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: It wasn't until I left New York.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So I was totally.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm talking in circles a bit, but nourishment just really came to mind as you were saying that, and just I was like, huh yeah i'm gonna I'm gonna continue to tap into that more, and I wonder what the listeners think as well about like what nourishment really means to them like what what recharges your batteries what puts the fuel in your tank and and by that, I don't mean what energizes you so that you can do what you need to do mm-hmm. what helps you just to come back to being you mm-hmm. still being rooted in the earth and clear and ready to be of service in whatever capacity that is.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, it, I mean, it, yeah.
1: Even that question of what, what helps you do that? So I've been trying to slow down for a while. I remember actually at the beginning of pandemic, one of my mentors, Kate Shaila, who's an amazing movement teacher, sent me this message. It was like, slow down, take a day off. Like your vision's not going to abandon you. And I knew that I needed to. And I wasn't able to, even though I lived in a monastery, even though I lived in a, in the middle of the woods for six months, like I didn't stop. Mm -hmm. I was still creating the whole time. I couldn't stop. And once the world opened up again, I was like, boom, like let's fucking go I did because also by that time I realized I was starting a school and I was like oh there's a few more trainings I need to get under my belt and so I did a bunch of like training action and somatics and tantra and different things and started traveling a lot more and then like the clubs opened up again and started doing parties again and then I became nomadic and it was just like non-stop and So I've been, I've been trying to crack this code for years and I just couldn't stop doing, Mm -hmm. even when I was doing restorative things. Like I was I did manage to do restorative things, Um, but it really drilled another one of my teachers. I got I got got told so many ways in the last few months of slow down that it was like, if I didn't listen to this, I would be such an asshole. (laughs) Another one of my teachers went through her schedule with me. She told me about how she um, calculates the number of days she takes off compared to how many days she teaches. And she's like, take a vacation, take Mm (laughs) a vacation. And what I'm learning right now is It's not even a what, it's not even a meditate more. It's like, I woke up this morning and I just laid there for an hour. And I know that that's privilege, you know, that I can, that I have the ability to do that. And I think a lot of folks could could figure out a way to do that
0: Mm -hmm.
1: if their back was against the wall. Yes. And so what I'm practicing is less of like a, what nourishes me and more of just a letting go Mm. of my agenda and my anxiety Mm. about my worthiness, about my productivity, about did I do my creativity today? Did I impact the world today? And just like a, what happens when I exist and allow myself to exist? What unfolds? I love <laughs> like that. having the space to just be and unfold yeah. and not not even try to figure out what nourishes me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: To I'm, just take it's like create, it's like almost like a detox. Mm-hmm. And I know that things will come in and when they're ready, like that. So I'm not gonna do this forever. Mm-hmm. But it feels like such an important counterbalance to the way, the extreme that yeah. I was playing at.
0: Well, it sounds like letting go can really be the first step for a lot of us, right? To just really let go and surrender and know that surrendering doesn't mean we're submitting to anything or that we're being lazy or giving up or failing or whatever our deep-seated fear is. And, and speaking to the fear, I mean, you talked about like, I mean, what a powerful statement to say. (laughs) Did I impact the world today? Talk about the pressure we can put on ourselves, right? Well, Do you mind, if you're comfortable, digging into what you really feel the fear is or was behind you letting go and just being and unfolding in that manner?
1: Yeah, it feels, it actually feels quite connected to the lesson I've been learning around my dance and that injury forcing me to slow down and be like, could I be valuable just paying attention to what is here
0: mm-hmm.
1: without adding extra? Yeah. And I think it's a lot about self worth. Like, if I am laying in bed, can I still? see myself as a valuable person can I still be interested in this moment can I be okay with me just existing without proving anything
0: Mm -hmm. hell yeah
1: yeah and then there is you know there's the real the real question around work and making money and supporting oneself and, and all of that. And um, for me, it was very helpful to actually to, cause there's a part of that that's real. And there's a part of that that's emotional. Mm-hmm. This yeah. fear of if I stop, everything will fall apart.
0: Mm-hmm. Probably not mm-hmm.
1: actually probably not. We weren't built to work seven days a week. Mm -mm. no, (laughs) like it's, so it was like, it almost feels like there is a system that wants us to be bought into it, feeding it. You know, you look at social media, like social media always wants us to be consuming and selling Mm
0: -hmm.
1: all the medias, all the internets, all the platforms. They want us to be consuming and selling endlessly. And, fueling a sense of unworthiness in order to fuel that cycle Mm -hmm. because I'm only going to be endlessly consuming if I feel like I'm not enough and I have to get more Mm -hmm. so there is also just an extrication of from this like dopamine system that I think it's really easily hijacked like our poor brains (laughs) they did not evolve for this
0: (laughs) and it's not at all
1: it's a lot of self-awareness um luckily i I already had some pretty good habits in place around like i don't really scroll Mm -hmm. i'm not i don't go on things very much um my media habits were pretty uh, i'm aware of how overstimulated i can get and um so there's not a it was more detoxing the mindset Mm. of (laughs) <laughs> what's that? What's that? What's that? I have to do this. Like, what if you yeah. just can you just? Can you just? Yeah.
0: The, <laughs> yeah, the the frantic, almost desperate energy, right? Like, like it's a it's it's something that only we create, right? And and that brings me back to the power that we have. And you talk about self-worth and the social media being something that we can consume to find validation right and and what you know i don't like about it is that it is perpetuating the the belief that we will be happy when we receive something outside of ourselves period and that we we don't have it within us already it's not there and the scarier thing to do is to put that phone down and to really be with ourselves and again that's why i think it was very very hard for some people during lockdown you know and so they <clears throat> dug into the social media even more and got mm-hmm. even more consuming with that you know it, everything you're saying is so beautiful and 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 i get it no i just i just love this i love this concept of letting go In order to, in order to open. And then as we open, we can then possibly go into the exploration of nourishment. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't think humans are even born to work a five-day work week. (laughs) I don't think we're made for that either. Because the, especially for my nine to fivers, you know, what do we have? We anticipate for the Friday evening. We have a blast on Saturday, but come Saturday night, Oh, I only have Sunday left. And then we spend Sunday, maybe catching up on life. And this is considering that we have our weekends, right? Catching up on life and our nervous systems start to clench up come Sunday afternoon, you know? Um, I see it over and over with the people that I love and with, you know, clients, and it is not a way to live. We Mm -hmm. need to find a way to be in our rest and digest more often. And that's why, you know, when I say like nourishment for me is not about just, oh, I'm in bliss and at peace and no, like I got to get shit done. So, how can I? For me, I always go back to the term calm strength. Can I come back to my calm strength where I feel like my feet are rooted in the earth? I see clearly. I'm not, I totally get that when you do, like the people who are just listening didn't see that movement, but kind of this like <laughs> looking around like squirrel, 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 Ooh, that, 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 that. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know if you or I know that I don't, there has to be listeners who relate to this that. When we get excited and passionate about something, sometimes we won't even fully sink into that. We're like, awesome, got that going next. And Mm -hmm. we won't enjoy that thing that we created for a little moment. Mm -hmm. Just really sit in the presence of that and like sit in the amazingness of you know, watching someone that you helped, you know, like little example this morning, I finished grading all the final written exams for my Pilates, uh, Pilates apparatus certification students, and they all passed with flying colors. And it was amazing. And I was just like, okay, great done. And then I was like, no, no, I like caught myself so quickly. And I was like, Jess, you wrote that curriculum. It took you a year to write. You had mm-hmm. been doing that work for so long. You sat on the couch with no notes around you, just typing, because it, it was in your brain. It was in your heart. You just, you got it out. You taught the program. People received it. They felt challenged, but not overwhelmed. They loved the process. They're excited. And they're going to be really amazing instructors we are going to help a lot of people. And so I stopped and I sat back for a second and I went, wow cool. And I'm going to do it again. And that's awesome. But I'm just going to at least take 10 seconds to go. Let me feel that. Mm-hmm.
1: You know? Yeah. You're reminding me of, uh, one of my friends, Regina Thomas, uh, mama Gina, she has amazing body of work, totally worth looking up one of her practices that she offers is called favorite frames. And it's a way of digesting our experience. So, after really any significant experience with someone in connection, asking, What were your favorite frames? And just naming like the moments. What did I love about that? What am I remembering? As an important part of our experience, like the digestion matters. And also a piece of this that feels really important is the things that we avoid feeling by endlessly doing and the parts of ourselves that we avoid confronting and seeing by endlessly doing and you know the the gear shift I've had the last few weeks was pretty dramatic. The first week I felt very strange. Mm. I use the example of like when sailors come onto land after being at sea for months and they actually get land sick. I felt super disoriented. I was like, what's happening? And this last weekend on Sunday, I had a full 24 hour like rage and grief portal. The most intensely I think I had felt in a long time. And I think it's just because there's space Mm -hmm. to actually process things. And yeah, the, the pace, the level of the amount of information we consume, the amount of stuff that's coming in from outside, we are such incredibly complex deep rich beings with so much inside of us and this is another reason why freeform dance is so helpful because it helps us digest and process all this stuff that doesn't get to move when we're just consuming or we're just outputting work Mm. there's a whole universe inside of us of stuff that it is there whether we want it or not whether we have judgments about it or not, like whether it's convenient or not. And if we ignore it, we get sick. We have accidents, like life finds a way Mm -hmm. to kick our ass. (laughs) (laughs) And it's that listening. It's that space to actually let, like, there's four whole seasons in the year. There's a whole season called winter. Nature just goes underground. Mm -hmm. takes a whole whole season yep be like y'all i am i am hibernating Mm -hmm. i'll be back i'll be back it's gonna be amazing Mm -hmm. i got the best flowers planned for you yeah right now we are underground and snowy like make some hot chocolate and chill out (laughs) i I love it i
0: love it i i talk I talk all the time to clients and have to remind myself too of like, is my body aligning with the current season outside? You know, spring is such an amazing time to be productive and grow and things like that. But if I've been doing it 24 seven the whole year, it doesn't, I'm not working with that energy in mm-hmm. as healthy of a way, you know, like I, I see again with my business owners, my entrepreneurs, the, the end of the quarter, the end of the year, the last quarter, we're we're stressing out, you know, get the numbers, you know, get things done. And I'm like, guys, shouldn't you be like resting up and like, it, aren't there holidays coming up? Oh yeah, I got holidays coming up in this plan, 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 plan. And I'm like, <laughs> we're even stressing mm-hmm. ourselves out with the holidays. And all those expectations and all those kind of things. And it's just such an amazing opportunity for us every single year. And I just see it as a pattern. Mm-hmm. We get into that Thanksgiving into Christmas time. And I just see people's nervous systems going completely opposite of what Mother Nature is trying to go. Hello.
1: Yeah. 180.
0: Are you listening? vibe with me, people (laughs) connect with me a little bit more. And, and I say this to not say you're supposed to not be productive, right? You, You, we have to make a living. We have to, you know, get things done, but we have to also really, um, just be aware of how long has it been going like this? You know? Yeah.
1: And I think it also speaks to our resistance to being with ourselves. Yes. And slowing down and going into the darkness.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, that I've just, we're in our shadow work module in PhDJ right now. And so we, it is top of mind right now how, you know, Jung said, if we do not make the unconscious conscious, it will rule our lives and we will call it fate. Mm. And we will, hold all of the parts of ourselves that we are not allowing that we disapprove of we'll hold it at arm's length and spend all of our energy at war with the parts of ourselves we don't want to see or acknowledge Mm -hmm. or approve of Mm -hmm. and that's what gets in the way of healing like healing is it's not about feeling good all the time. It's about becoming whole. It's about welcoming everything we haven't allowed that is us back home. Yes. So that it can actually, you know, that that amount of energy that it takes to repress, to hold back, Mm -hmm. I think is a huge part of what makes us exhausted actually, in addition to the overworking and overdoing it's the holding the parts of ourselves that we don't, we think are too big or too loud or too much. It takes so much to hold that in. And that's, it's the most fun. That's, that's another thing I love about the dance floor is that it is an explicit, like certain dance floors, it is explicit permission for you to bring all of you. Hmm. And Like all the parts that haven't had the space to express that haven't had the, that we haven't had words for all the emotions that we haven't known how to move. It all gets to move and then it becomes free energy Mm -hmm. that's just available for us to use Yes, and create with. Mm -hmm. It's not this like bad thing over there in the corner Oh, like, don't be angry. Oh, don't feel grief. Like that's too much. It's like when we allow those back into ourselves, they become sources of fuel for our yes. creation. Yes. And it's also, it's in that slowing down that we are confronted <laughs> with with the pieces that are like, oh shit, this is here? Yep. Oh, this thing from 10 years ago that I didn't process? Okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, I I love it. I mean, to me, I've come to learn that healing is not you know comforting at all healing to me has become a exactly what you just described those moments of you know discovery of something really uncomfortable and then purging and then releasing and processing and integrating and doing the work and then reminding ourselves to not forget it so that we can continue to grow you know healing to me is necessary and we're all going to go through ebbs and flows of it but it is it is not fun 90% of the time <laughs> you know if we can start to regain a perspective of excitement and curiosity for what am i going to learn about myself today that's a profound place to live and that mm-hmm. can Help you know facilitate those healings um, on a deeper level and help them to move through um, more quickly. Help us to process you know more rather than I'll process eighty five percent of it. Meh, I'll le- I'll let you go. Now nah, that's going to come up five years later. You know that kind of thing. But that's what I've come to you know learn about healing for me is you know when something uncomfortable. Or sometimes I just simply call it resistance. If I feel resistance to something, I know that there's a lesson there, period. And in that lesson will be healing. And so rather than I feel that resistance, let me escape, let me run, let me fight, let me freeze, right? Let me um, numb, you know, any of those tools that we've learned to do, if I feel myself going there, you know it is up to my spiritual practice and my energetic body to come in or just my physical body to come in and say, "Nope, <laughs> where's the lesson?" Mm-hmm. And if I allow that energy to just move, even if it's ugly it's it's so much faster and and the and the messages come more clearly and And again, it then ultimately fuels me with, at the very least, experience and wisdom, Some uh, another huge tool that I can bring to others when I am trying to be of service. You know, it's, yeah, healing is a beautiful thing. And we have so many tools that can numb us or make us escape from that healing with our quick conveniences and our instant gratifications um, and all of that that we've learned. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I could talk about that for a long time. I I don't want to keep going on a tangent with that, but I want to ask you a question just off the cuff. Let's see what comes to mind. Humanity right now, right? We've been through a lot, but currently the world right now and what you've experienced in your work or just what you observe in the world, What do you think is one thing that humanity needs most in terms of really shifting their wellness, a a perspective shift, learning how to master something? What do you think humanity
1: as a whole could use more of? Remembering that we're part of the earth. Like, I'm just looking out at the trees. I'm in the mountains right now. And I think that as we accelerate and develop in this society with tech, we're getting further and further removed from the fact that we are literally the earth. Yep. Like, this body The Earth operates according to the same laws and principles, expresses the same patterns. You know, you look at fingerprints, you look at veins. It's like these same patterns that we see in all of nature. And I think by and large, we've really lost the awareness that this is a system we are actively belonging to. And participants in and that we can communicate with that is actually part of our family like we're so isolated in these funny ego selves that are like addicted to machines and hurting and blaming each other and slotting each other into categories of good and bad and stupid and smart and like meanwhile we are part of one of just this incredibly beautiful system that's here all the time offering I'm like talk about unconditional love the amount of abuse that I gave my body that I've given my body over the course of this life and how she has bounced back and continued to beat this heart And how this earth is in spite of all of the abuse and forgetting, (laughs) like it's unreasonable what we do. And she just keeps going.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This is gorgeous. It comes back to
0: power. Like this is a theme. Maybe that's going to be in the title of this episode is like, we have power. We have power to choose. We have power to listen. We have power to heal. You know, we have power to regenerate. We have power to connect. But like choice, that's what we have to remember. We have the power to make choices Mm -hmm. to connect to tech fully or to connect to something that is already screaming, I am connected to you, you know, going back to our seasons talk, right? That That's, I think that's gorgeous, that reminder, you know, and we all have different tools of grounding, but I know for me, like my insane, like fast life hack of grounding and getting more connected is literally just stepping outside. If I'm, mm-hmm. if I'm near a tree or if my bare feet are in the grass, even better. If I'm in the mountains or on a beach looking at the ocean, even better, but just going outside and going, What's up earth? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Gaia, for giving me medicine. And then as a Reiki practitioner, I love to, you know, give back, you know, earth, you know, there's been times where earth has been super pissed off. (laughs) I'm trying to be connected with you. What are you doing to me? You know? So I I think that's a gorgeous message. That's Mm. awesome of course as you're in the mountains in boulder like what 20 minutes from me right now <laughs> which is hysterical tasha what do you have coming up that you want to plug
1: mm-hmm. i'm going to
0: make sure that i'm linking your website your you know instagram handles all that but would you like to say any of those or anything
1: coming up out loud yeah absolutely so dance parties in New York are on you'll link to body language and our Instagram and everything and I'll be there June 8th i don't know when this will air mm-hmm. um and I have an email list it's the best way to stay in touch it's i write every few weeks and i usually write about what i'm learning or observing and so it's a it's a juicy it's a juicy one and that's where i announce the things that i'm offering where i'm DJing um and powerhouse dj school phdj the next cohort is open for enrollment starts 2024 january and i think it's probably going to fill up pretty quick so that's alive phdj.dance is our website and i do one-on-one work and right now in this moment of spaciousness that is where my focus is um What's cool is that when this has happened in the past, usually it's actually required a big breakdown to get me to slow down. This time I was like, we're just slowing down. There's always something that comes on the other side. So I'm excited to see where we go after this. In the next few months, I think it'll become more clear. But for now, it's my one-on-one work. It's PhDJ and then it's body language and any gigs, you know, as I travel, I always end up playing ecstatic dances wherever I go. Mm -hmm. So best way to stay in touch is newsletter instagram awesome
0: awesome yeah. well tasha thank you so much for carving out time and you know having a really deep juicy chat and you know i feel like this just touched the surface of feeling into our bodies um i feel like i'm going to have you on again in the future because it just feels like it's never ending that exploration that we can have so you know i hope that this reached people who are connected to or not connected to their bodies right now just to at the very least help them ask the question am i talking am i listening
1: mm. am
0: i noticing um thank you so much Tasha. it's been such it's a pleasure a pleasure so good so good thank you for having me good yes thank you and to all of you beautiful souls i honor you for everything you are and everything that you're going to do for the rest of the day and i hope you have an incredibly balanced rest of your week